Hey, everybody. This is Karen Stefano, author of the story collection, The Secret Games of Words. And I'm thrilled today to have with me Scott McClanahan, the author of several books, but most recently, the Sarah book. Scott, how are you? I'm doing well. Good, good. I'm being fascinating already. I would expect I would expect nothing nothing less. I have to start this this conversation with by sharing with you my impression of this amazing book. Uh, first of all, I got the book because two of my closest friends, the writers Robert Vaughn and Meg Tuit, would not shut up about it and. They're saying, you've got to read this book. You've got to read this book. And I was like, okay, Jesus. <laughs> and um, I, I got it and I saw what all the fuss was about. And it, 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 it was laugh out loud, hilarious in so many ways. It literally had me sobbing. Uh, it, it haunted the fuck out of me in a, in a good way. Um, it, it made me feel really alive with all the good that means and the bad of what that means. And um, uh, I'll shut up in a moment, but I, I have to gush some more. Um, I was engaging in one of my Sunday afternoon guilty pleasures, which is reading at a bar in my neighborhood. And I, I just, I couldn't put it down. And um, so I sat there um with a couple glasses of wine, read all afternoon, and then life called, and, and I, I had to put it down. And then later that night, it, it, the book started to haunt me. I mean, it was like, uh, it, it just, it really messed with my head. And then I, <laughs> it was to the point that I, I literally, like, it was on my nightstand, and I had to put the, ba- the book face down because it was, it was messing with my head so much. So, um, I know that sounds weird, but I hope you take that as as the ultimate compliment because you you really got inside my head. Oh, good, good. <laughs> um, so you should buy, you should buy a couple more books. <laughs> <laughs> I know, just to have them lying around. Well, I've already That'd recommended it to a couple present. of people. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, uh, but but yeah, and. Preparing for this this podcast, I also took a look at a few uh, reviews of the Sarah book, and NPR said it reads like a fever dream, and said it's an unsparing primal scream of a book. And uh, I just those are a couple of remarks that I, I just couldn't agree with more. Um, but you know, I've told you what the book did to me but have I'm, I'm curious other people who who have interviewed you or you've just spoken with they must have shared with you what this book did to them are there any other stories I mean have other people had who've had the same reaction that that I had that I've shared with you uh yeah I guess I've had some of that it's always weird you know when people People tell you about because you want that, like you want that as a writer to kind of figure out how it's affecting 
how it's affecting readers. But yeah, I guess the type of type of book I write usually too. You know, I get I get a lot of. I think it, to be quite honest with you, it seems like it's like the book like depresses people, <laughs> which is which is okay, I guess. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 just, it's a strange thing hearing back from a from like a reader how it how it like makes them makes them feel. Yeah, I don't know that to say the the I mean you know I can't speak for other readers, but. To say that the book would, you know, de- depress a reader, I just, I just don't think does the book justice because it does. <laughs> it's, this, this all sounds so weird, but it just does so much more than that, and it get, kind of goes back to, you know, it makes you feel alive. And part of being alive, there's a lot of sad shit, and uh, but there's also a lot of really, really beautiful moments. And yeah. that's, yeah. Well, so, well yeah, um, th- thank you. I get a lot of, I'm starting to get into uh, uh, the point in time where I get like a lot of emails from, I think I have my email address up on my Twitter account. And so I, <laughs> and so I get a lot of uh, emails from just like random, random folks who have uh, who've read it. And uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes it's nice. It's it's really it's really str- it's really strange though. I mean, it's an incredibly kind of strange sort of interaction, especially something that's you know personal and it's like part part of you in some ways, even though it's like fiction. But still, you know, I don't I don't like write like airport novel type books and um, no. So so yeah, I mean, but then at the same time, like it did make kind of kind of weird you out though too. It's like. Uh, <laughs> Like for instance, I had this guy that like wrote me like just a couple days ago that was wanting like a, if there was any Scott McClanahan like merchandise, and I was just kind of joking. <laughs> I said you could PayPal me seventy five dollars, and I I was went through my wallet. I had an appointment to like a psychiatrist appointment card, and I had an old law that dropped out of law school years ago, and I had an old law school ID, and then I had like a room. Uh, where they'd written down the room for the Jane Hotel in New York, and I told the guy he could PayPal me seventy-five dollars, and I'd send it to him. And you know what? He PayPal me seventy-five dollars, which I just thought <laughs> I just thought that wasn't going to happen in like reality. But uh, yeah, so so uh, interactions are yeah, they're nice, they're nice. Again, I'm doing great so far. I'm really I have really great great answers. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, that makes me feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel incredibly uncomfortable. I think now, what? like being like when people people tell you about about the book, I wish I wasn't like that. But yeah, it's almost it's uh, yeah, it's just it makes me makes me incredibly like uncomfortable in a lot of ways, which is weird. So, but I think it might yeah. just be I'm getting I'm getting grumpier too. I think as I get like older or not grumpier but maybe just like more i feel like i'm becoming like more private or something like i feel like i need to kill off you know kind of the old guy in some ways and so yeah it's like this sort of weird personality thing that i'm like dealing with now like i was in st louis i was in st louis monday night and the bookstore guy there who was doing the reading was telling me about the book and yeah, I just I just kind of just felt like I didn't even know how to 
how to respond. I guess you respond with "thank you," don't you? <laughs> which is what normal, which is what normal people should do. There's always there's yeah, this uh, there's this David Foster Wallace story where uh, it's in that uh, biography, the end of the tour, that David Lipsky book, where like uh, Wallace is going on and on about people coming up to readings and. He doesn't like know what they want and all that sort of stuff. And when I was reading, it was like you're a jerk. Like they just want to tell you they liked your, they liked your book, and you should just reply with, like thank you. So, so, uh, so I guess I should do more of that. I should, I should reply more with with thank you rather than allowing it to kind of uh, get in my head, which is yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh- uh, so in in me sharing what I shared with you, did that make you feel uncomfortable? Yeah, it just makes me feel weird. But I mean, yeah, but but, I mean, it's, but it's not like bad. Like I really I really appreciate. It. Like as a writer, like you want people to read your stuff and you want people to you know be aff- you know affected by it and and for it to make them laugh and all of the all of the all of the things you all the things you said. But then I think there's also like I don't know what like the past year or so I've just felt like I I don't know I just feel kind of like closed off to it too and like the stupidest the stupidest sort of way just I just <laughs> I'm I'm rambling here but yeah it's it's strange yeah. it's just it's like a strange little interaction that that uh, writers and readers you know have yeah well I, I can I can. I, I can understand it, it all making you feel uncomfortable um, and having, you know, for, for people to be sharing with you, you know, you and I don't, don't know each other. And by saying that your book affected me so viscerally is, is me a stranger really opening up to you with all of my sores and weaknesses and impressions. And so who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe it's just, it's, uh, I think it's like it's human just communication just kind of in general too. You know, like when you, like you're walking by somebody that you sort of know and you're like, um, how are you doing today? And then they like actually reply with how they're doing Sometimes that's right. very, you know, it's very un- uncomfortable in a lot of ways. And like kind of writing, like writing a book reminds me of the end of that, you know, Gus Van Zandt movie, My Own Private Auto, where it's just kind of like, hope you have a good day, you know, at the end. Like, you know, that's kind of what you're, what you're doing. And I don't know if when you're doing it, you really expect, you know, the person, the reader, you know, responding, which is, which is nice. But yeah, it's, it's, it's like. Sort of, sort of strange, or something, you know, real, you know, intimate about about just like reading, reading in general that uh, that is like unlike anything else. Like with a film, you're kind of being, I mean, you're being manipulated with a book too, I guess. But you know, like, like a book, you're almost kind of, it's like this sort of strange symbiotic sort of relationship where you know the writer's manipulating but the reader's like creating like elements of that manipulation in their mind you know movies you're just like seeing them right they're just coming at you you're not really necessarily you know creating them in in your brain and and books do that i have another story too 
about an interaction. I don't even know if I should say this online, but I will. Like I also get now where people like will say, I I do this all the time myself too. So where you say like, hey, send me an address. I'd love to send me send you my book. Like you know, you're on the internet. Now I'm on the internet. Isn't that amazing? That sort of thing. So now, (laughs) so now I'm starting to get on the like receiving end of this. And I had somebody couple this has been a couple of months ago and they were like we would like to send you some books and so i said okay cool and i gave him my address and everything and then like a week later all of these books arrived and i was like oh cool these are kind of strange books and then i started looking at the website and they published a little bit of like you know small press type fiction but there was also all this other junk, like it was like Holocaust denial stuff they published. It was just like totally like like dead in my head in in some ways, because I'd even written my friend uh, Chris. I was like, "There's this cool publisher that lives near you. You should check them out." Because I hadn't really looked at the books yet. And then it's like, "Oh my, oh my God, people, people are some are something else." <laughs> so it's oh, like a series of. Yeah, a series of like strange, strange interactions. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, but that's oh, wow. life. I'm not complaining about them. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, I mean, hey, like you said, I mean, every writer yearns to touch people with their work, and that's and that's certainly what you've done. And in that thing, Scott, uh, would you be willing to read? Uh, for me, for for everyone listening, uh, from a section of the Sarah book. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I just luckily have one here. <laughs> wow, what a coincidence! Um, where are you reading from, and and give us give everybody a little setup for the for the people who haven't yet read the book. Oh, I'm so horrible at setups. There's like you know. It's it's a it's a book. It's got lots of car chases. There's the uh, mysterious elements involved. A murder will be solved. You're gonna love it. So, <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe I'll just read a short little section. This is towards the end of the book, uh, where I'm reading a children's book uh, to my to my kids, and. Uh, of course, this has pictures in it, though, too, so you won't be able to see the pictures out there in Radio Land, but uh, you, can, uh, you can imagine it uh, in your mind. You might even know this book. This is, uh, this is a section towards the end. Do you want me to go ahead and read it now? Yeah, I do, please. Okay. Um, the next morning, I sat on the couch with Sam and Iris, and I read There's a Monster at the end of this book. I remembered reading it from my own childhood. And the book Grover kept warning the reader that there was a monster at the end of the book and not to turn the page. Iris and Sam laughed as we turned the page. And then there's a picture of Grover. You turn the page. Grover built walls and he set fires and he did all kinds of things to keep us from turning the page. But of course, we kept turning the page. We kept begging and pleading, please don't. Please don't turn the page. I told the kids best things about books is you can turn back and start all over. You can turn back to pages five and the people will still be here inside of the pages alive. And then I remembered life wasn't a book. I could see right then that I was just like Grover 
and I wanted everyone to stop turning the page. I wanted to say the end is coming. There's a monster at the end of the book. It's how everything changes. There's a monster at the end of the book, and it's you and me. So there's a free sample. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I, I remember where I was when I was finishing the book. I was on a plane, because it seems like I'm always on a plane these days. Um, but, uh, and that's when, uh, like, this wet stuff just kept pouring out of my eyes and I couldn't make it stop. And uh, it was, talk about uh, feeling uncomfortable. The people seated around me uh, were, were feeling very uncomfortable as I was sitting there uh, uh, trying not to, not to sob, but uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a, that was an excellent, that was an excellent free sample, Scott. So uh, everyone, everyone listening should feel very, very grateful to you. Um, so, um, it, you know, like I said, it, I, I did a little prep for this podcast and I looked up some of your reviews and I ran across the one in Rolling Stone, which small literary world it was, I noted it was written by, uh, Toby Carroll, who coincidentally, uh, was on this podcast a couple of months ago talking about his book real, um, uh, so small literary world, but in, in that interview, uh, he said that you wanted to talk about West Virginia, and which coincidentally is something that I wanted to ask you about. So hopefully you're not sick of talking about West Virginia, um, because I wanted to ask you if you could describe West Virginia in just five words, what words would you choose? Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah. People always ask. People always ask me about West Virginia. Actually, even in that interview, I think I think Tobias mentioned West Virginia, and then I had to talk about West Virginia, and then it turned into a West Virginia thing. Um, how would I describe West Virginia? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like I've written so many books where it's, where it's a, you know, about this, about this place. Um, I don't know if I could do it in five words. I don't know if I'd. If I'd like want okay, to, it's like I'll, I'll cut you a cut you to the slack. Cut, cut, uh, use as many words as you want, and uh, yeah. Uh, and and by the way, Toby, uh, unless I misread that that uh, Rolling Stone interview or review or whatever it was, he made it sound like it was you who wanted to talk about West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's usually never the way. I don't mind talking about it, though. It's like a great place. I don't know. It's just like it's one of those places full of contradictions still. And, um, yeah. you know, like the world seems so simplified, especially with like online, like reality. Everything feels simplified into, you know, demons and angels and you know that's not the reality of the world never has been never never will be and um yeah, i mean it's just like uh just like the place place i'm from you know i mean and i mean there's a bit of i guess there's a bit of i, I even like even like on a like a political sort of sort of level like it just has always kind of fascinated me um, I don't, I'm trying to, I'm like grasping for like an anecdote to like, for instance, in my town, you, there's a store that's called Amputated 
what is what is the name? Artificial Limbs. That's the name of the store is Artificial Limbs. It's like this medical store. That's better than store. amputated. That's better than amputated. Yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> amputated limbs would have been even better. Like, you go in there and they have amputated limbs. It's like, this is the store <laughs> I've been looking for. But you can go and you can, like, buy artificial limbs. And then you go down the street and there's, like, a wheelchair store. And there's motorized wheelchairs. There's this motorized wheelchair somehow they've got up on top of the building that... Um, I don't know how they got it up there, but they got it up there, and it looks amazing on top of the building as you approach it from uh, from the road. And like, if you want to do something like touristy here in Beckley, like there's an exhibition coal mine, which is actually like West Virginia's idea of tourism. Like, you can come all the way to West Virginia, and then you can go down into a coal mine after you've paid a little bit of money, and and. And that's that's tourism. Uh, that's our idea of tourism. <laughs> we used to have great restaurants. Like there was this restaurant called Ryan's that got that was closed down, and it was like it's just giant buffet restaurant. And so like people would like show up at Ryan's in the morning, and they would like eat, you know, all throughout the day. They just pay for their breakfast, and then just keep going back throughout the day, and you could see. You know, you could see every type of person imaginable uh, in there. And um, I mean, yeah, I could go on. I mean, it's just it's a it's a it's a, it's a strange, strange place. And uh, and I love it dearly. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. Hope it does. It totally, it totally answers my question. Um, uh, yeah. For instance, everybody needs just to even recently. Know. Like last winter, uh-huh. there was like this snowstorm. My wife was trying to get home, and um, and everybody stuck on the road. And then she said, this guy got out of his car, went up to another car, little baggies were exchanged. Like a drug deal was happening in the middle of a snowstorm, uh, which is amazing, right? Like the rich tapestry of, you know, the rich tapestry of life that, that you can see that, you know, we live in this sort of... Uh, you know, kind of anesthesia sort of world. And, you know, we want to live in our gated communities or uh, we want to talk about our social issues, but live in these luxurious homes separate and apart from other individuals from a different socioeconomic class or race. And and this place just throws everybody together. Right. And uh, and that's what's so that's what's so lovely about it. Wow. Um I, I I love it. I love it. I think that you should uh, be on the the tourism board, Scott. No, they hate me here, though. Like this is, yeah, <laughs> there's, do, like there's like an what Appalachian literature mafia, and I mean they they like uh, they they have like their there's a lot of grandma quilts type novels, you know, like uh, all historical novels. And I put this thing in crap at the end of Crapalacha, just as a joke, not even really like realizing people are going to read this. Where I like named Appalachian writers that I didn't want to be associated with, and man, they got mad. They got really mad. And so there's this magazine, Appalachian Heritage, like they published this article about how horrible of a person I am and how I'm like uh, like uh, reinforcing the stereotype. And now you get this stuff, too, where 
like that book, that J.D. Vance book, uh, Hillbilly Elegy, you know, that sold so many copies. And like now people will like talk about that book and then they'll say, well, Scott McClanahan's doing something different. So it seems like now maybe falling back into favor a little bit. Um, but yeah, yeah, Appalachian literature is very strange. Yeah, it's like you can't. Most and mo what's weird too is like most of the Appalachian like literature kind of mafia they're like from Ohio, which <laughs> which is which is like very very weird. But they like they like police, you know they they police other 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 writers uh, who write about the write about the area. Well, I think you, in areas you have, you have all kinds of different writers, you know, not just one particular type of. Of writer, because I said in like a couple of interviews, just being like flip, I wasn't being serious, but it was like I was pro mountaintop removal, but I was just meant in like a metaphorical sort of way, like we have to move beyond these like ideas of like what this place is and what this and what this region is, and uh oh man, that made them mad, made them very mad. Yeah, but you had to know you were gonna piss some people off when uh when you. Name the book uh, Crapalachia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, but even yeah, like and people people take that as like an insult, but it's like you know it was in the book like and my mom hated that title too when she found out the title. I usually don't try to you know like talk about my writing around like family or anything, but she found out about the title and she was she thought that was like filthy, and she was like, I that's filthy, Scott. I think I even put that in the book too. What she said about the what she said about the title, but like the title, you know, has like it's like I wanted something like that felt like epic, you know, like uh, you know pieces of like you know I don't know Petronius's Satyricon, right? Which doesn't necessarily even make sense, or you know something like Roman literature or, uh, or Greek literature, and they have these amazing. Uh, these amazing kind of Latin-like titles, and Crapalachia was as close as I could come. So, yeah, the title, yeah, I probably should have picked a different title. I guess you're you're stuck with it now, huh? I don't know. You know, maybe I'll... Maybe there's, it's small press world. I mean, I guess you could... There's, like, the old blues tradition where you have the same song, but then you just change, you just change your name and then give it a different title, the story, the song... Like, you could do that with a book. I've done that with stories before. Like, just send out the same story, but then, like, have a different title for the for the story. And you can get that thing published in, like, a couple of different couple of different places. Maybe not now with, like, Google. People Google stuff if you're getting stuff published online. But that's what I used to do back in the, back in the day. Because I think even the blues yeah. guy, Charlie Patton, he had his name, The Masked Marvel. Like, he recorded under a different name for contractual reasons i sort of fantasize about that in a lot of ways like like just stopping writing like under my own name and then like start writing as someone else and see what would see what would happen i'd probably be a lot more successful if i did that yeah well um that that brings me to another question um you describe the Sarah book as an autobiographical novel, and the narrator's name is Scott McClanahan. And yeah, uh, tell me, tell me about, tell me a little bit about that. Well, that to be honest with you, 
I think we came up with that semi-autobiographical because Gian had to like he's the publisher in New York Times like he had to he had to write copy you know to send into the distribution channel consortium or whoever and he was like is semi-autobiographical okay and I was like yes yeah, semi-autobiographical is okay um, so so <laughs> so like something that kind of is really relatively kind of simple and practical kind of starts following along you know the the book and yeah the, my name's in there i just i don't know i always when i read when i read david copperfield i don't ever think david copperfield's like a real character i think that's charles dickens or uh when i read uh huckleberry finn like i don't ever really think that's a real character that just feels like mark twain to me um and most of most of the books that I love are are like that, where it's like they use the stand-in, right? This kind of fictional name um, is 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 something to you know as a placeholder. But yeah, it's it's the author though. It's the, you know the author's voice. Not to say that there aren't you know many eyes you know inside of like one writer, but but yeah, I just got I get so sick of that. Like I get so sick of especially first person writing where you know you change the the name of the narrator but yet it still feels autobiographical i just like felt like putting it out there like some sort of uh i don't know like bob dylan's basement tapes or like a home movie that you made like this sort of thing that's like raw and uh kind of urgent and in your face and and is then is the name of the is the name of the writer yeah i, I haven't figured it out in my mind quite yet why i did that it was probably really stupid like hill william the narrator's never never mentioned um or that is never named uh in crapalacha it's scott I think he's named there in Crapalachia. I've just always, I've just always have done that from the very beginning, in the same way that like I don't know country music that I love, like you know Waylon Jennings, he's singing in the first person, but that's like a character, like he's become the character he wanted to create, and that's like what I was, what I've always tried to do in like my writings, like I wanted, I wanted to become that character. That's not me. My life is very boring. Penthouse is gonna send a they're doing a story on me for like one of their spring issues or something. And they're going to send yeah, somebody it. out. Yeah. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've got playboy. I've got penthouse. Like I'm in with the flesh magazines. So I have, <laughs> I haven't broke, I haven't broken the literary world quite yet, but yeah. Um, so my career, my career is going real well, <laughs> but, uh, but they're gonna send somebody out here, and it's gonna be so—it's gonna be absolutely so boring, because all I do is sit around and read books and write and watch television with my wife and yeah. take care of some kids on the on the weekend, and and it's really boring, you know. Yeah. And I guess what I was I doing the. Go ahead. No, no, I was just gonna say I I I I doubt that it's it's gonna be boring. So just, I just, yeah, it could, it could I, be. I, I feel like I get more boring as I get older, and I kind of like it. Like, I'm starting to like accept like my boringness. Because, like, if I would have done this interview a couple years ago, I would have like had prepared anecdotes, ready to go, 
and uh, I would have, you know, had little stories and tidbits. And sometimes I still do that now. Uh, for instance, I have in my phone right now some anecdotes that I can say in, inter- in interviews. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and but yeah, like I feel like I'm, I'm I feel comfortable and just kind of admitting, like yeah, just live a, I live a very boring life and uh, and I like it that way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Um, I'm uh, embracing my inner boring person too, and I like it. So we yeah, have that exactly. in common. And yeah. even like with the Sarah book too. I mean, I went through a divorce. I'm not saying that. Like I went through a divorce. But everything that we always look at as like some sort of like apocalyptic event or tragedy within our lives. I've always been the type of person that. Yeah, it is that, but it's also the flip side of that. In a lot of ways, getting a divorce is a lot of fun. Um, it's it's horrible in terms of like what's happening psychologically and like the redistribution redist- of how your life's gonna be uh, after afterwards. But yeah, there's like there's like something about it that's like kind of I wouldn't say freeing, but there's you know it's the it's you know the moment in time where yeah it's like there's there's no plan you don't have a plan anymore it's just wait you're just winging it uh at that at that point and um and i kind of i kind of feel the same way about the about the books and everything that, that i'm that i'm writing now yeah i mean i i i definitely see a divorce as both a cataclysmic event and a cleansing at the same time but uh I, I guess like any any trauma when you're going through it, all you feel is the trauma, and then it's only yeah. once you start to get past that that you can go, huh? You know, I this is you know I've got a clean slate now. I've got a fresh start, and uh, yeah. uh, without you know with all the pain, there's a lot of there's a lot of freedom that comes with it. Uh, but Scott, we're we're starting to run out of time, and before we wrap it up, I wanted to uh, get you to answer one one more question for me. And going back to the the quote from the the NPR review, uh, talking about the the Sarah book as 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 uh, writing that sounded like that reads like a fever dream. I wanted to ask you if if that's how it came out for you um from your insides onto the page was it was the writing process like a fever dream for you or was it a situation where it was just much more controlled in the writing and you uh finessed the writing just so that it reads like a fever dream you know what I, do you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah, no, no, completely what you mean. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it was, was sure wasn't a fever dream. Like I've like worked years, years on the book, and really, to be quite honest, I mean, the book was kind of even changing like just a few months, you know, before publication, uh, so to speak. You know, we we're still tinkering with it and and uh, and everything. I don't like believing that a lot. You know, somebody sits down and writes. I mean, I know there's examples that. You know, Anthony Burgess supposedly, you know, sat down and wrote Clockwork Orange and like, you know, all these novels in a row and Philip K. Dick, you know, 
sitting down and writing a book like that that's never made sense to me books have always been hard and uh they've always been like a real pain in the ass i've had this like weird writing compulsion for a long time where i kind of felt like i had to do it and um yeah i don't know maybe maybe writing the book kind of broke me of that where it's like oh gosh this is this is no way to spend a life (laughs) so it was you know it was a, a process of you know you sit down and you work for a couple hours a day and that's the way i've always done it i've done it like that since i was in my early 20s and um sometimes that's good like i don't i'm not trying to be precious about it like there's nothing worse than writers talking about like their process like i think sometimes writers try way too hard that's the reason why we get all these overwritten overwritten books that uh that feel like they've been worked on you know a year or two or three years too too long so you so you want to have it, uh, you know, uh, spontaneous in in some in some ways. I think probably that fever dreams credit because my chapters are always small, because you always want to kind of help propel the reader through the narrative. Uh, I think most books are just kind of tricks like that, and nothing more than mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, short little chapters usually, uh, quite a bit of white space on the on the page will you know just zip the reader zip the reader right along but you have to work on those little short little short chapters so yeah i mean i don't know i'm I'm, I'm fed up with writing anyway so you are well yeah uh, it's like ugh. well i mean that that definitely happens and i'm i think you're in a position where you're going to have maybe the luxury to take a little break but uh um i definitely know the the feeling of or a long of break i might need a yeah. good long break <laughs> <laughs> long breaks long breaks work too long That's breaks right. work too um well, uh I, maybe you're going to get a break because uh after we end this podcast you're going to get busy on the scott mcclanahan uh merch uh part of of your oh, life exactly. you're going to go out yeah. there <laughs> yeah you're going to have like, like people want to People want to email scottmcclanahan at hotmail.com or just send through PayPal scottmcclanahan at hotmail.com. I have all kinds of stuff around here I can send you. I have like some well, the- kids' toys right now. Here's a drawing of a cat that was made on Sunday by a little girl. Oh this my is God. actually Scott McClanahan's daughter. We'll, we'll, send, we'll send you for $75. We'll send you the drawing of the cat. Listen, you this this. This podcast may be making might make you some serious cash. So um, everybody, in the money yeah, everybody listening, PayPal uh, Scott McClanahan, and he will send you some very cool shit. Yeah, so exactly. on that exactly. note, on that note, Scott, um, thank you so much for joining me. Um, I I really appreciate it. I'm a huge fan, and everyone who's listening who has not yet bought and read the Sarah book. Go get it, uh, read it, PayPal Scott some money. All right, awesome. (laughs) Thanks, Scott.